Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Abortions come to a halt in Texas? Really? Could it be so? Biden gave Kabul to Taliban. Is that really a thing? Well, there's reports out that seems to suggest that that is, in fact, the case. We'll talk about that today. Also, our guest in the guest segment coming up at 35 past the hour is going to be Henry Sear. He wrote a book called The Dictator Pope, in which he documents the destruction, the dismantling of the Franciscan Friars of the Immaculate. And we want to know how that happened, why it happened, when it happened, what were the details, and could it happen again? And we're going to have that conversation coming up at 35 past the hour. It's going to be a jam-packed show, lots to dive into and discuss, and we're glad you're part of the, uh, the program this morning. Good morning to you. Janice, how are you? Good, I'm doing well. Praise be to God. Uh, anything in the news that really stands out to you? Uh, I really uh, love the the new law that, um, the good news that Texas is uh, becoming a more pro-life state, so that I know it was all over my Instagram feed yesterday. Really? Yeah, everybody was talking about it. You know, I had a great conversation yesterday with a, a friend, a former colleague on a radio program that I produced last, and she's big into pro-life movement. That's where she works full-time. And we were discussing this, and the way she described it, it is even more powerful than I thought it would be. I kind of have a little bit of a Debbie Downer on I thought, ah, how good could this actually be? Which is why I want to talk about it today, because I, I think I'm more impressed today having had that conversation about the impact this, this will actually have on lives. Mm. So praise be to God for that. That's awesome. Speaking of mm. impact on lives, Adrian Fonsek is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you. So many lives, so much impact, most of it not good. Most of it. The Most, vast majority. The vast majority? You know, they, they, like your impact on lives or you know, impact they, in general? It's always said that in my impact on lives, they say, you know, Adrian, I'm told this often, almost every day I'm yeah. told this. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, you change lives, but not Someone's, normally for the better. Someone, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, someone says that to you? Actual? Like they, like they I think you're making that up. No, nah, no, nah, I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> but nonetheless, it's still good to be here. It's nonetheless, in spite of it all. In spite of it all, still it is still good to be here. That should be a t-shirt, don't you think? I should get. I have a lot of T-shirt ideas. <laughs> I don't even wear T-shirts, but you know. <laughs> well, praise be to God. We're going to have uh, a great show. A lot of great information to cover today. Uh, there's some Afghan stories that are important to mention. I want to get into the pro-life story out of Texas. Uh, could this be a thing that spreads across the country? I would hope so. Praise be to Jesus. Uh, there's uh, also an interview. The Pope did like a 90-minute sit-down interview with a radio program. Noticed it wasn't ours. I'm just saying. it. Uh, I didn't get the call. I wonder why. Um, but he did a 90-minute interview, and there's a transcript in English that I have. If, if it at all possible, we'll dive into that. There were some very interesting questions in that about his, uh, his hopes, his dreams for the pontificate, for the church at large, for his interaction with China. Uh, Traditionis Custodis was brought up. There was a lot of stuff, including Cardinal Becci was in there. So uh, there was a lot of information in that, uh, that if we have time, possibly in the after show, we will do a little bit of digging into that conversation. So a lot on the program today. Do us a favor and make sure you are on our email list. We like to uh, share exclusive content with what I call the CDT Insiders. They get an email. Generally speaking, it's every Thursday afternoon that we send that out and uh, with some unique and special content. It's also a great way to stay in touch with us, especially in the light of 
of censorship and everything else, uh, being on our email list is a, is a wonderful way for us to continue our conversations. We also have a text list. I, I haven't really harassed the text list all that much yet, but it's coming. So if you want and you're, uh, you're willing to allow me to do it, go to our website, sign up to the text list, sign up to the email list, and stay in contact with the CDT team. You can find that plus the podcast, past content, a lot more right on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. That's grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Let's pray and dive in. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. O most gracious Virgin Mary, remember that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and now the headlines with Janice Valenzuela. Good morning, friends. Thanks for turning into Catholic Drive Time. I'm Janice Valenzuela, and here are your headline news for today. From LifeSite News, some countries are canceling COVID vaccine passports for those without booster shots. Israel, Austria, and Croatia are now requiring citizens to top up their shots due to failing vaccine protection. From LifeSite News, Canada will start vaccinating children under the age of 12 by early 2022. Clinical trial trials are underway and for children as young as six months. Also from LifeSite News, almost 1,000 students with disabilities now rely on ride-sharing companies after a vaccine mandate by Mayor Lori Lightfoot led dozens of bus drivers to resign. Chicago Mayor Lori, vaccine mandate for all city employees has backfired as bus drivers quit rather than forced to get vaccinated. The, res the resignation has hurt already short-staffed busing companies and has led many families to depend on ride-sharing companies such as Uber, Lyft to transport their children to and from school. From Blaze News, a new California bill would be required later this year to ask retailers to have a general neutral display area for toys. Child care products, the bill would force reta retailers with a certain number of employees to have a gender neutral area to display a certain number of toys that are not marketed to either children, to either girls or boys. A pro Antifa California high school teacher will be terminated from his job after the undercover group Project Veritas released a video featuring the man stating his plan to turn kids into Antifa revolutionaries. In the video, Itkerm high school teacher Gabriel Guype said that in a 180 days, he will turn his students into Antifa revolutionaries. From Blaze News, Liberal billionaire George Soros has donated an additional $500,000 to an entity backing California Governor Gavin Newsom. Financial disclosure records revealed, according to Fox News, Soros donated the massive sum to stop the Republican recall of Governor Gavin Newsom. 
organizations on Monday, according to the outlet, which noted that the move came on top of another half a million dollar that had been previously supplied by him. From Catholic News Agency, many Louisiana schools closed amid prayers for survivors in the wake of Hurricane Ida. At least one Catholic church in New Orleans has opened its doors to serve as an emergency shelter amid widespread power outages and flooding caused by Hurricane Ida. From Catholic News Agency, Mexican bishops oppose measures to contain and return migrants at country's southern border. The Bishop of Mexico has reiterated that opposition to the contain and return measures implemented by their government to stop immigrants passing through the country. From Catholic News Agency, pro-life groups on Wednesday said they were ready to assist women facing unexpected pregnancies as Texas' new heartbeat law went into effect. The Texas Heartbeat Act, signed by the law in May, is effective as starting as of September 1st, which prohibits abortions after the detection of a fatal heartbeat, which can occur as early as six weeks into pregnancy. The law only includes exceptions for medical emergencies. From Epic Times, the remnants of Hurricane Ida battered mid-Atlantic states on Wednesday, with powerful winds and torrential downpour causing major travel disruptions across the region and prompting a flash flood emergency to be issued in New York City for the first time. From Epic Times, President Joe Biden has declared an emergency in California as the Caldor Fire continues to threaten homes and businesses near Lake Tahoe, fueled by powerful winds and dry conditions. The World Health Organization is urging countries to hold off on giving COVID-19 booster shots through September so that poorer nations can provide citizens with their first dose of the vaccine. Former Kabul embassy worker helps Afghan refugees in Philadelphia as he awaits wife and children in the Philadelphia airport. And those are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a blessed Thursday. The saint of the day is Blessed Antonio Franco. He was born on the 26th of September, 1585 in Naples, Italy. He was born to the nobility. His family were French expatriates living in Italy, and he earned a doctorate in civil and canon law at the age of 17. Then he studied in Rome, Italy. He served as a courtier uh, to King Philip III in Madrid, Spain. He was ordained a priest in 1610, and Father Antonio became a royal chaplain to Philip III for 10 years. Bishop of the Territorial Prelature of San Santa Lucia del Mela in Italy and was confirmed by Pope Paul V. Until his death, he reigned as a, a, over the Prelature of Santa Lucia del Mela uh, until his death 10 years later on November 12, 1616. He was a counselor and chaplain to the court of the Kingdom of Sicily and for all his time spent in royal and noble courts, Father Antonio was known for his ascetical life he would sleep on the bare ground on the floor or eat and he would eat very little and very plainly. And he was noted for his concern for piety and penance. He had a ministry to the poor and the sick and worked with people who were victims of loan sharks. Hmm. Seems uh, relevant to today. He died on the 2nd of September, 1626 in Santa Lucia del Mela in Messina, Italy. 
and his incorrupt remains are enshrined in the Basilica of Santa Lucia de Mela. He was beatified on the 2nd of September 2013 by Pope Francis. Blessed Antonio Franco, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. While the crowd was pressing in on Jesus and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. He saw two boats there alongside the lake. The fishermen had disembarked and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, he asked him to put out a short distance from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. After he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and lower your nets for a catch. Simon said in reply, Master, we have worked hard all night and have caught nothing, but at your command I will lower the nets. When they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets were tearing. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come to help them. They came and filled both boats, so that the boats were in danger of sinking. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at the knees of Jesus and said, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For astonishment at the catch of the fish they had made seized him and all those with him. And likewise, James and John and the sons of Zebedee, who were partners of Simon, Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. When they brought their boats to the shore, they left everything and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, boy, I wish we had uh, time to really dive into this, but we're up against the break here. Um, we love Peter's actions in this, right? Uh, for all of Peter's foibles, he's the guy who said, all right, Lord, whatever you say, I'll put the nets in the water. And wow, uh, he's the guy who said, Lord, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Was it fear? Was it humility? Oh, I think I tend towards more of the fear. Why? Because we know what happens when a sinful person is in the presence of the Almighty. You get consumed in divine fire, and the reality of that could be frightening. At least it ought to be. So uh, there's so much to be said here, but maybe we'll have to talk a little bit about it next hour or in the after show. But after this break, we're going to dive into some of the pro-life news and uh, this big story out of Afghanistan as well. A lot to talk about. It's coming up next on Catholic Drive Time. Don't go anywhere. Be right back.
Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Praise be to God. Uh, Coming up at 35 past the hour, Henry Sear is going to be our guest. Regnery has published a book for him. uh, I think it was published 2017, if I'm not mistaken. But under the pseudonym uh, Mark Antonio Colonna, the book is called The Dictator Pope, The Inside Story of the Francis Papacy. Uh, Very interesting read, to be said for sure. Uh, But part of that book is a detailing, a document uh, of how the Franciscan Friars of the Immaculate were deconstructed. It's one of the first actions of of His Holiness's papacy, actually. Why is that? What happened? When did this happen? What were the circumstances? And what is the result? We're going to have that conversation because the question comes to mind, could this happen again? So Henry Sears is going to be our guest at 35 past the hour. Uh, I'm going to pass through a couple of stories very quickly, and then I want to talk uh, more about the pro-life news out of Texas and the implications of that. But um, there was a breaking story, I think it was yesterday, day before, uh, August 31st. So this was uh, Tuesday, out of Reuters. Exclusive. Before Afghan collapse, Biden pressed Ghani to change perception. And I'll summarize this for you. I won't uh, read it for you. I am uh, sharing my desktop for those on the, the live video feed who can see the articles that uh, we, we read from. But this there was an exclusive from Reuters. It, they basically had a transcript and an audio recording of a conversation, a phone call between the president of Afghanistan and our president, Joe Biden, before Taliban took over. And essentially, the Taliban says, listen, we're going to make a deal here. Um, America, you can either secure Kabul or we can secure Kabul. You can allow us to secure Kabul. That's fine. We're happy to do that. Uh, you get to choose. Uh, well, Biden calls Ghani and says, listen, there's a perception issue here. The world's going to see this as bad. This is They've taken over so fast. We've got to do something to sort of spin the narrative. I'm paraphrasing all of this. I would encourage you to read the article for yourself uh, over at Reuters.com. Uh, but the bottom line is Ghani didn't do anything. He got on a helicopter with his wife, and he got out of uh, Afghan, Afghanistan really quickly. He flew to another country and went into exile. He didn't even tell his staff what he was doing. He just left. He didn't call the Taliban, and he didn't call the, the White House or the Se- Secretary of State or anybody in America. He just simply left. And then the Taliban came in because the United States uh, made a deal. And they said, sure, you guys can secure uh, you know, Kabul because we would be worried about what it would look like if we had to bring in more troops to secure the city. That would be bad in the media, we wouldn't want to look bad for having to bring in more troops to secure the place. So go ahead, Taliban, have fun. Enjoy that. That is very tragic. That is absolutely what led to the chaos and um, college whiz. The Talk about perception. The perception of this is we have damaged our reputation internationally. I mean, could we get another coalition if we had to? Would these countries go into another coalition if we needed it, into one of these other countries if that was needed? I don't know. I have no idea. But I really believe that our reputation is severely damaged. And uh, what about Ghani? Could, could he be held accountable? I don't know. Is any going to be anybody going to be held accountable? So far, the only person in the military to be uh, relieved of command related to Afghanistan is the Marine Lieutenant Colonel because he criticized his senior leadership. He was relieved of command. Very telling, isn't it? Um, everybody seems to think in the current administration that they did a great job, pat on the back, high five. But 
I think America feels otherwise. So that's a very concerning story. There is, of course, uh, other, I mean, uh, Paskey over the White House uh, communications. She's also avoiding these questions based on this Reuters uh, report. So there's a lot there. Uh, There are 30, this is a report out of Epic Times, 30 California students stuck in Afghanistan. 30 California students who who are still there, along with hundreds of other Americans still there. There's still people trying to rescue Americans and citizens out of Afghanistan. Those just, they're just not official people from our government. They are people who've decided to go on their own, raise their own money, rent their own planes, bring in their own vets and interpreters and everybody else in order to try to rescue folks. But our, our government is uh, left to negotiate with the Taliban. Let that sink in. Very, very concerning stories. Uh, There was an interesting story. I want to mention this real quick, too. Uh, I found this fascinating. Oklahoma congressman, this is out of the Breitbart, by the way. Oklahoma congressman missing after secret rescue attempt in Afghanistan. Uh, Representative uh, Mark Wayne Mullen, representative, a Republican from Oklahoma, he decided he was going to go to Afghanistan to try to rescue people. Uh, a family, a, a woman and her, her four kids, I think at, at the very least. And he had raised some money. He tried to go and get the um, the embassy, I think, over in, uh, was it Tajikistan or someplace like that? Yeah, Tajikistan, to help him get access to Afghanistan, to get into the country, because he had such an amount of money, money that they wouldn't let him in, so he needed the embassy to help. The embassy refused to help. He got really mad at them for that, and he found another way. Well, he went missing. Like, nobody knew where he was or what he was doing. The, could you imagine? Could you imagine seeing the video clip of a U.S. congressman being kidnapped or held prisoner by the Taliban, or worse? That would be Utterly horrible. Well, there's an update. By the grace of God, he is okay, and he is headed back stateside. This is another story out of the Epic Times. So, very interesting times we live in, to be sure. Very interesting times. Let's go to this story, which I think is pretty fantastic. LifeNews.com reports, Planned Parenthood clinics stop killing babies in abortions as Texas abortion ban goes into effect. Now, you might remember we talked about this, um, I guess it was Tuesday, might have been Tuesday, when we talked about this uh, new law, heartbeat bill, in Texas, essentially making it illegal to abort a child after a heartbeat is detected, generally around six weeks. But the teeth in the bill, sort of like the the sort of the punishment aspect, the, the accountability aspect is... Uh, It's not jail time or arrest. It is rather suing. So private citizens are now able to sue people who are who are breaking this law. Uh, And I thought at the time, how good could that be? Really? How good could it be that uh, the the threat of suing uh, people would actually uh, prevent these abortions from happening? Well, to my surprise, praise be to God. I talked to a friend yesterday. Uh, who works full-time in the, in the pro-life movement here in Texas. And she was ec- ecstatic about this. And she explained to me the effect that she saw for the first time in a very long time how abortions were coming to a grinding halt as a result of this bill because they aren't sure uh, how this is all going to go down. And they're being exceedingly cautious, which means lives are being saved as of right now, praise be to God. 
And so I was very much encouraged by what my friend had to say yesterday. Here's a little bit of this article out of LifeSite News. The largest abortion chain in America, Planned Parenthood, was forced to stop aborting unborn babies Wednesday in Texas when the new state heartbeat law went into effect. Texas Public Radio reports Planned Parenthood facilities in South Texas put a pause on abortions entirely. While its facilities in other parts of the state are doing abortions only in the, quote, rare cases when a pregnancy is detected, unquote, before an unborn baby's heartbeat is detected about six weeks of pregnancy. Quote, the only thing we can do right now is pause abortion entirely as we wait for this legal challenge we have mounted to play out, unquote, Planned Parenthood of South Texas CEO Jeffrey Hans told the news outlet on Wednesday. The Texas heartbeat law went into effect, prohibiting abortions once an unborn baby's heartbeat is detectable. The legislation has the potential to save tens of thousands of babies' lives. Planned Parenthood, the American Civil Liberties Union, and others filed a desperate appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court on Monday, asking the justices to temporarily block the law, but as of yet... Justice Samuel Alito, who is in charge of emergency petitions from Texas, has not issued a decision. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Praise be to Jesus Christ. So as far as I can tell, um, so if you knew, like as a private citizen, if I knew that uh, a doctor, a nurse, a the receptionist, the uh the escorts that are in the parking lots. By the way, um, now, I, it's been a while since I've prayed in front of the abortion clinic here, admittedly. But when I have been down there, you know, they usually have these escorts. And they sometimes do, like, you know, some th- crazy things to kind of intimidate you a little bit. Like, one of the things that they like to do is take your picture. So they'll, they'll come out and they'll take everybody's picture. I've had people record the license plates of the car, you know, things like that. I once uh, was there and there was a, uh, some guy walking around with a toilet bowl plunger and using it to uh, to put curses on all the vehicles of all the, the people out there to pray at a 40 Days for Life campaign. So you do see some shenanigans uh, at some of these places. And uh, but the but this law apparently allows private citizens to sue anyone who is assisted in the process of aborting a child after a heartbeat is detected. I guess this has more teeth than I originally thought. Um, I find it fascinating. This is The Hills reporting uh, also on this. Supreme Court declines to block Texas abortion law. A sharply divided Supreme Court on Wednesday night refused to block a Texas law that bans most abortions, leaving the country's most restrictive abortion measures intact. Just before midnight, the court denied an emergency request from abortion providers to block the law, issuing a 5-4 ruling with Chief Justice John Roberts joining the court's three liberal justices in the dissent. Huh. The majority, citing procedural complexities, said abortion providers had failed to make a persuasive case for the court to step in, but added that the challengers had raised serious questions about the law's constitutionality. Now, what I find interesting is Chief Justice John Roberts is a Catholic. Uh, Chief Justice John Roberts, uh, as a Catholic, ought to uh, appreciate the dignity of the human person at conception, let alone at six weeks when the heartbeat is detected. So, uh, there again, 
Thank you, Chief Justice, for siding with the opponent, the opposite side on this particular issue, which you seem to be very consistent in doing so. Not unlike, you know, the commander in chief these days. So I I am encouraged by this. Now, the only question in my mind comes down to how long do you think this will go? At what point does this all end? I I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I was very surprised to hear that, in fact, abortions are now dramatically decreased as a result of this law. And I'm even more impressed to hear that Samuel Alito is, um, has not yet made any uh, decisions or he has, not, he has not allowed the Supreme Court really to, to take on this case. So I find this utterly fascinating. I am grateful to God that babies uh, will be saved. I don't know how many women will now want to travel to some other state, Oklahoma, New Mexico, Louisiana. I, I don't know. I don't know, but it is an opportunity, an opportunity for babies to have a chance to live. And praise be to God for that. Amen. All right. We're going to go to a break. We're going to come back. We have more breaking news and stories with Janice. And then, of course, Henry Sear is going to be our guest. We're going to talk about the destruction of the Franciscan Friars of the Immaculate. What happened? Why could it happen again? That's our conversation. It's all coming up next. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Here on the Guadalupe Radio Network, and I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects homebuyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, friends. I'm Janice Valenzuela, and here are your headline news for today. From National Catholic Register, former U.S. Religious Freedom Ambassador Sam Brownback warns of potential genocide for religious minorities in Afghanistan. In the immediate aftermath of the U.S. withdrawal, he said the flight of Christians and other religious minorities is now desperate and deadly. From the Vatican News, Pope Francis urges the participation of the faithful as the 2021 season of creation kicks off. The season runs from September 1st through the 4th of October as part of initiatives for the celebrations of Laudato Si's movement. Christians sign and promote the Healthy Planet, Healthy People petition, 
which will be presented to world leaders at the UN Climate Change Conference scheduled to take place in Scotland in November. Pope Francis releases his prayer intention for the month of September and invites us to pray that everyone might make choices which promote a simple and sustainable lifestyle. As the church begins the annual season of creation on September 1st, Pope Francis is inviting everyone to pray for an environmentally sustainable lifestyle. From VOA News, some Nigerian-based experts warn of China's growing influence in African technology. Already, Nigerian students who took part in a Hawaiian-sponsored information and communications technology competitions say the benefits, including possible job placements with the company, are enormous. But experts warn that there could be a potential negative impact on China's growing tech influence in Africa. Also from VOA News, thousands of protesters rallied in Washington, D.C. and other U.S. cities on this past Saturday to demand protections for voting rights amid the pressures of lawmakers to pass legislation to counter a wave of ballot restrictions in Republican-led states. From Crux Now, Brazilian church leaders side with indigenous protesters and land-grant dispute. The Brazilian Supreme Court has taken up a case of land disputes involving an indigenous people in Santa Catarina State. A new bill tells North Carolina hospitals to let in clergy during emergency. North Carolina hospitals will be required to let a pastor or other clergy member visit a patient even during a declared emergency like a pandemic under legislation that received final General Assembly approval on Wednesday. From Church Militant, New York's Department of Health board on Thursday discussed and voted to approve the former governor's directive mandating healthcare workers get vaccinated. This new law is requiring hospital staff to get vaccinated by September 27. Many Catholic churches in New Orleans have become transformed into emergency health uh, shelters during Hurricane Ida. After Afghanistan withdrawal, people denounce attempts to impose democracy. In his first interview since undergoing surgery in July, Pope Francis criticizes the Western's attempt to impose democracy on other countries in the wake of the U.S. withdrawal in Afghanistan. And those are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a blessed Thursday. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Janice, for keeping us up to date. Joining us right now via Zoom chat is Henry Sear. He, he is a historian. He is the author of the book, The Dictator Pope, The Inside Story of the Francis Papacy. And uh, he spent, uh, I think it was like four years in Rome uh, working on a project. And it was during that time that he came across and met with many influential people in the Vatican and the Curia and, and others. And this book was as a, as a result of that. And we're very grateful to have a conversation about that. Good morning to you, Mr. Sear. Good morning, Henry. Are you there? Well, hopefully we'll get that uh, resolved here in a moment. But let me just uh, break this down while we're waiting on him to uh, to come through here. But in the book, I think it's chapter five, if I'm not mistaken. I've, I've gone through the book a few times, actually. And it's a very enlightening book. It can be a hard pill to swallow, to be sure. But it's very well documented. And in the cha- in chapter five, he details the deconstruction of the Franciscan friars of the Immaculate. 
how this came to be where an order that was busting at the seams, so many that they even had uh, uh, women, a sister side of the organization, they had a lay-run apostolates, uh, third order. It was incredible. It was bursting at the seams. Then all of a sudden, uh, everything seemed to come to a grinding halt and and really be dismantled. And it's very, very concerning. So we're hoping to have this conversation with Henry Sierra about this and sort of get better information about it. Henry, are you there? All right, well, he's not there. So I tell you what we're going to do while we're hoping to resolve that, and hopefully we'll get it resolved very quickly so we can jump into that conversation. I think it's an important one, and I really want you to hear from him. In the meantime, here's what I will do. There was a uh, an interview with Pope Francis and uh, on a Spanish radio station uh, that came out, I think it was yesterday or day before. And um, he, there was some very interesting conversation that came up as a result of that. Uh, questions that the interviewer was asking. And I wanted to point some of this stuff out because I found it very, very fascinating. And you can find the transcripts online. Uh, I found them, for instance, uh, over at um, at the Vatican News has it out there. Uh, I know it's also being reported in many other places. But uh, the COPE, the COPE, is the organization that broadcast this interview. It was a radio interview. And again, the transcripts in English are available. But uh, and Henry, if you're there and you can speak up, you can let me know, and you can uh, we'll we'll transition to that. But here's a couple of the questions that I found very fascinating as a part of the conversation with His Holiness Pope Francis. Um, many think, and this is the interviewer asking His Holiness, many think or insist on the old argument of resignation. The quote, "I'm going home. I can't take it anymore." Unquote. Is it a permanent theme? I believe in your life as Pope, isn't it? Now, this comes up because there's been rumors of his uh, retirement uh, that have been out and about, reported in the Italian news. There are rumors. They, they happen pretty frequently these days. But here's what His Holiness Pope Francis had to say about that. He says, uh, quote, I do not, I rather, let me start over. I do receive the report about some of the news of the day, but I found out much later, a few days later, that there was something about me resigning. Whenever a pope is ill, there is always a breeze or a hurricane of conclave. And that's a joke. It's supposed to be funny. And I think it's cute. I think it's funny. But, you know, he was in the hospital. There are conflicting reports about the seriousness of why he was there. Uh, is his life coming to an end? Some, some rumors seem to suggest that. I personally don't know either way. Um, the pope is downplaying it all. But is, he's addressing the rumors. Of his resignation, because some of the rumors suggest that he has been contemplating retirement now for quite a long time, and some of the rumors suggest that he intends to sort of rewrite the rules on a pope and how long they can serve. Eighty-five being the age of limitation, which means you could see a trend in the future of several pope emeritus at the same time. We're already in a very unique situation having a pope emeritus and a pope all at the same time, living in the same place, wearing the same clothing. Hmm. Very confusing to lay folks, uh, I would say. And would that, if it be true, again, just a rumor, if that were true, would that add to confusion? Would it clarify things? Well, I think my opinion is it would, it would add to the confusion, but what do I know? Here's another question. Uh, Adrian, do me a favor, and as long as we're uh, not able to get Henry on, take his image off, if you could, please. Uh, but here's another question. It says, Your Holiness is closely following the new political map of Afghanistan. The country 
has been left to its own devices after many years of military occupation. Can the Vatican pull diplomats, uh, diplomatic strings to try to prevent reprisals against the population uh, or for so many other things? Now, what I found interesting about this question is in the, the, his answer to the question, uh, and I'm going to read this part of it because the rest of it I think is a little bit less interesting. Uh, here's what he says, His Holiness Pope Francis, quote, And regarding the fact of 20 years of occupation and then leaving, I remember other historical facts, but I was touched by something that Chancellor Merkel, who is one of the great figures of world politics, said in Moscow last 20th of August. And she said, I hope the translation is correct. It is necessary, he's quoting Merkel now, supposedly, it is necessary to put an end to the irresponsible policy of intervening from outside and building democracy in other countries, ignoring the traditions of the peoples. Uh, Concise and conclusive, the Pope feels. He says, I think this says a lot. And everyone can interpret it as they wish. But there I felt a wisdom in hearing this woman say this. Now, this is what's interesting. This is uh, Pope Francis's quote. It, it turns out that Merkel never said that. It turns out that that was Vladimir Putin, president of Russia, who said that. Not that I don't know that that matters one way or the other, really, but I just thought that was kind of interesting that he was misquoting uh, Angela Merkel and rather quoting Vladimir Putin. But I agree, Your Holiness, there is a lot of criticism to be made in Afghanistan, and even better, it would be fantastic if there were a lot of accountability for the debacle that is now Afghanistan. Um, 100%. Here's another question that came up that I found very interesting. Uh, Henry, are you there? Henry Henry Sear, can you hear me? All right, we're still working on that. Well, we'll have to maybe, I don't know if we can get him on in the next segment or we'll reschedule because it's an important conversation and you ought to hear from him. I think he's got the details and I think you ought to hear it. But here's another question from the Pope's interview. Ah, I guess that music means we're going to go to break. So don't go anywhere. We come back. I'm going to share a couple of these other questions if we can't get Henry Sierra on. But he even addresses Traditionis Custodis. That's a big one. But there's others. China, for instance is being talked about, and I think that is fascinating. All that and more coming up next on Catholic Drive Time. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Psalm 1, verse 1 says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. What does that mean? Don't hang around with bad people? No, according to G.K. Chesterton, it means something much better than that. He says that there are certain people who, because they are really pure, create a good atmosphere around themselves. They are truly children of light, and the light shines on everything they touch. When a righteous person stakes out a clear position, we recognize that it's something solid and vital and eternal. So it's not that hanging around bad people makes us bad, it's that being righteous can help make the people hanging around us righteous too. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Hi, Joe McLean here, host of the Catholic Drive Time. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of the Catholic Drive Time. 
Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations. Real Estate for Life offers their clients a faith-based experience. Real Estate for Life is online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Sierra, are you there? Henry, can you hear me? Well, we're going to have to reschedule him. We'll have to have him on by phone. Um, not sure why the uh, the tech isn't working out. Um, his book, Dictator Pope, is enlightening. I've been through it several times now. Um, every time I, I, I go through it, it's I find something new and, <laughs> and enlightening, something that uh, it, it's so well written. It's very well documented. I think that's where I kind of what convinces you of the the need to read these types of books. I also feel that way about Phil Lawler and others, but uh, great book. Hopefully we'll get him back on. Hopefully we can reschedule and have him on to talk about the destruction of the Franciscan friars there. Essentially they were placed under a different authority. They, uh, they seem to have been attacked because of their, uh, their preference to the traditional form of piety. And as a result, they were dismantled. It's, Actually, very tragic. Accusations were made and unfounded, it seemed. Evidence was never uh, brought forward to prove these accusations, but the damage, nonetheless, is what it was. Um, Here's some more of the uh, interview with Cope, with His Holiness Pope Francis, that came out from the the transcripts. Here's another question. Uh, In March, it will be nine years since the beginning of your pontificate, which has not been that brief pontificate of four or five years that Your Holiness said... Are you satisfied with the changes undertaken, or is there anything pending that you would like to finish off imminently? That is to say, do you have the feeling that God has given you some extra time for something? Now, most of the answers I found from His Holiness, you know, they're kind of banal. They're kind of like, they don't really, it's kind of circular conversation, and like it doesn't really totally address the questions. He just kind of says things and and it just touches on them, but doesn't get to the meat of the matter. So I'm not going to read everything His Holiness said here, but I highlighted some of the response anyway. And here's what it says, quote, but I didn't invent anything. Think about that. So he becomes Pope 2013, March 12th, and he didn't invent anything, he says. But I didn't invent anything. What I did from the beginning is to try to put into action what we cardinals said in the pre-conclave meetings for the next pope. The next pope has has to do this, 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 and this. And this is what I started to do. I think there are several things still to be done, but there is nothing invented by me. I am obeying what was set at the time. Very telling, I would say. So the agenda of his pontificate was set by the cardinals, and he's going with it. Um, I think a follow-up question might have been, Your Holiness, did you agree with everything the Cardinal set as an agenda? Did you have an opinion on any of that? I would like to know. Um, Doesn't matter. He's saying he's got the agenda. It was given to him. That's what he's going with. Um, Then, of course, the Traditionis Custodis question came up. says, I don't know if Pope Francis is a man who likes to bang his fist on on the table. Would it be possible... 
that the last blow on the table has been the pontifical document limiting the celebration of the Tridentine Mass. And I also ask you to explain to my audience what the Tridentine Mass is, what it is about the Tridentine Mass uh, that is not mandatory. What did it, hold on, let me say that again. What is, what is it about the Tridentine Mass that is not mandatory? This is what His Holiness says. I'm not, I'm not one to bang on the table. I don't get it. I'm rather shy. The history of Traditionis Custodis is long. When first uh, St. John Paul II and later Benedict, more clearly with Samorum Pontificum, gave the possibility of celebrating the Missal of John XXIII prior to that of Paul VI, which is post-conciliar, for those who did not feel good with the current liturgy, who had a certain nostalgia, it seemed to me one of the most beautiful and human pastoral things of Benedict XVI, who was a man of exquisite humanity. And so it began. That was the reason. After three years, he said that an evaluation had to be made. An evaluation was made, and it seemed that everything was going well, and it was fine. Ten years passed from the evaluation to the present, that is, 13 years since the promulgation of Samorum Pontificum, and last year we saw that those responsible for worship and for the doctrine of faith that it was appropriate to make another evaluation of the, all the bishops of the world. And it was done. It lasted for a whole year. The subject was studied, and based on that, the concern that appeared the most, the most was that something that was done to help pastorally those who have lived a previous experience was being transformed into ideology. That is, from a pastoral thing to ideology. So, the Pope goes on to say, we had to react with clear norms, clear norms that put a limit to those who had not lived that experience, because it seemed to be fashionable in some places that young priests would say, oh, no, I want, and maybe they didn't know Latin. They didn't know what it, what it means. And on the other hand, to support and consolidate Samorum Pontificum. I did more or less the outline. I had it studied, and I worked, and I worked a lot with traditionalist people of good sense, and the result was that pastoral care that must be taken with some good limits. For example, that the, pro that the proclamation of the world be in a language that everyone understands. Otherwise, it would be like laughing at the word of God. Little things. But yes, the limit is very clear. After the motto proprio, a priest who wants to celebrate this is not in the same condition as before. That is, that it was for nostalgia, for desire, etc. And so he has to ask permission from Rome, a kind of permission for bi-ritualism, which is given only by Rome. Like a priest who celebrates in the Eastern Rite and the Latin Rite, he is bi-ritual, but with permission from Rome. That is to say, until today, the previous ones continue, but a little bit organized. Moreover, asking that there be a priest who is in charge, not only of the liturgy, but also of the spiritual life of that community. If you read the letter well and read the decree well, you will see that it is simply a constructive reordering with pastoral care and avoiding an excess by those who are not, unquote, His Holiness Pope Francis. Well, that is uh, part of the difficulty, is it not? Uh, because it's not about feeling. It's not about emotion, Your Holiness. It's not about nostalgia. It is about the, uh, the traditional form of piety that was handed down from the apostolic times down through our ages. 
It is the highest form of prayer. It is giving God what is due to him in the most beautiful, most reverent, most incredible way because it is a sacrifice where we are mystically present at the foot of the cross. Not symbolically present, not, boy, it's a nice sentiment, but actually present mystically as Hebrews chapter 12 makes clear. So that is part of the issue we have in in, uh, in the traditional uh, community is it feels, as Bishop Tobin from New Jersey pointed out, that you're using a, ch- a chainsaw when you could have used a scalpel in those segments of the traditional form of the community that you fi- uh, might have found more ideological. But I would say, in my experience, the vast majority aren't ideological at all. They simply want more of the Catholic Church, not less. They want more of the patrimony of the of of Holy Mother Church, not less. They want more of a relationship with Jesus Christ, not less. And I, that is a part of the issue. And of course, uh, priests can study Latin. If I, could, if I a knuckle-dragging uh, guy who served in the Marine Corps with a big hairy face, if I can study and learn the Latin, then can't a more educated priests? Couldn't they? Surely, surely it's true. By ritualism, well, um, okay. Does that mean... That the priests in the Anglican Ordinariate and the uh, personal uh, chair of St. Peter, do are they by ritual? Uh, do they have permission to say the Anglican use? Uh, is that Was that abrogated? Was that included? Because the language in the decree seemed to suggest that the only appropriate form of the Latin Rite Mass would be the Novus Ordo. So are they affected by that? And I guess it goes back to other questions like, for instance, if the Greeks, the Ruthenians, the Russians, the Coptics, the Syro-Malabarians, if they're all allowed to enjoy the patrimony and traditions of their communities, then why can't the Latins? Why, why, is, that, why is that an issue? I don't know. Um, one of the other questions that really caught my attention in this conversation with His Holiness Pope Francis was on China. Big topic, right? They've renewed the deal now already, uh, so we've got a long deal that's secret. We still don't know exactly what's involved. We don't know how much money was exchanged in all of this. I I have no idea. But uh, here's the deal. Here's the question. The interviewer asks, let's talk about China, if you would, Your Holiness. Within your own ranks, there are those who insist that you should not renew the agreement that the Vatican has signed with the country because it jeopardizes your moral authority. Do you have the feeling that there are many people who want to see the Pope's path? His Holiness responds, quote, Even when I was a layman and a priest, I love to show the way to the bishops. It is a temptation that I would even say is licit if it is done with goodwill. Did you? Did you catch that? Did you hear what he just said? This is His Holiness Pope Francis. He said, quote, Even when I was a layman and a priest, I loved to show the way to the bishops. It is a temptation that I would even say is licit if it is done with goodwill. Yea and amen, Your Holiness. Pope Francis, I love this statement. This is an excellent statement. I agree with you wholeheartedly. As a layman, we love to show the way to the bishops because we do have good intentions. Not ill will, not schism, not division, but good intentions for the good of others, for the good of the church, for the good of the world, for the salvation of souls and the glory of God, which is why so many lay people are speaking up, not out of an ill will, but out of a goodwill, out of a sense of charity. 
He goes on to say that he thinks the China deal is is good. If it if all it does is bring dialogue, he thinks that's great. Um, it it is troubling because we still don't know the details. The church is still persecuted there. Churches have still been destroyed there, and much worse. But His Holiness Pope Francis, in this response, feels dialogue is good. Close mindedness is never the way. He says. So lots to pray for. Let us pray especially for His Holiness Pope Francis. Let's offer prayers, fasting, and penance for the hierarchy of the church out of a goodwill. Out of goodwill. Let us continue. Let us continue to uh, share the good, the true, and the beautiful, even when it's a tough pill to swallow. Amen. That's going to do it for hour number one. We'll reschedule Henry Sear. Sear. We'll get him back on. We'll work it out. Until next hour, we play our fear and trembling game show. You could win. Join us. GRNOnline.com. See you there. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Why do Protestants not believe John 6 when it says that Jesus' flesh is real food and that his blood is real drink? I don't know. In Matthew 26, Mark 14, and Luke 22, Jesus says of the bread, This is my body. He says of the wine, This is my blood. Not this is symbolic of, or this represents. He says this is. In John 6, he repeats himself like he does nowhere else in Scripture to emphasize the fact that he expects us to eat his flesh and drink his blood, and that his flesh is real food and that his blood is real drink. Anyone who says he is speaking symbolically and not literally simply is refusing to look at all the facts. Fact number one, the Jews took him literally. We see that in verse 52. Fact number two, his disciples took him literally. We see that in verse 60. Fact number three, the apostles took him literally. Verses 67 to 69. If everyone who heard him speak at the time took him literally, then my question is, why does anyone today, 2,000 years after the fact, take him symbolically? Also, in verse 51 of John 6, Jesus says that the bread which he will give for the life of the world is his flesh. When did he give his flesh for the life of the world? On the cross. Was that symbolic? If you think Jesus is speaking symbolically here when he says that we must eat his flesh and drink his blood, then you must also conclude that Jesus' death on the cross was only symbolic. It wasn't really Jesus hanging up there. It was symbolic flesh and symbolic blood. Jesus is clearly talking about the flesh that he gave for the life of the world. He did that on the cross. Those who believe he is talking symbolically here in John 6 have a real problem when it comes to John 6, verse 51. Did Jesus give us his real flesh and blood for the life of the world? Or was it only his symbolic flesh and blood? A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. GloryandShine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. GloryandShine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At GloryandShine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, GloryandShine.com. 
Thank you again. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to God. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to God. It is good to be on with you this morning. Good morning. Uh, We just wrapped up a conversation in the last hour. We wanted to talk to Henry Sear, but uh, unfortunately, tech problems just prevented it. So we'll have to reschedule him. But uh, we went through the interview with His Holiness Pope Francis and Cope out of of Spain, I think that is. And uh, we reviewed some of the questions and his responses. Very enlightening for sure. And then uh, we also talked about the groundbreaking, it seems, uh, utterly awesome new heartbeat bill out of Texas, which I hope spreads throughout the whole country, to be honest with you, because it has been bringing abortions to a standstill and babies now have an opportunity to live. Praise be to God. Uh, So we talked about that in the last hour, as well as some stories uh, in the Afghan situation. It continues to be just a horrible story. But all of that was last hour. Uh, You can find the podcast of our show at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. In this hour, we try to be a little bit more upbeat, a little bit more inspirational. Praise be to God. We're going to have good news stories coming up here in just a moment with Janice. We'll have Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, and then we will play Fear and Trembling, the Catholic trivia game show where you might win prizes and you don't need to know the answers to win. And you can find the phone number on our website if you don't want to wait for me to give it to you. So I'll give you the phone number, but if you want to call early and, and hedge your bet of being the, the uh, contestant, well, just go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. That's grnonline.com forward slash CDT. You'll find the phone number there, the rules, and how it all works. Good morning to you, Janice. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. Uh, anything in the news that's going to stand out this hour? Um. Not anything uh, that we've not had discussed in the first hour, but uh, something that stands out to me right now is that a lot of people are calling for the withdrawal of the Biden um, presidency just because of everything that's going on with Afghanistan. So that that really stood out to me this morning. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is a lot of very concerning news out of Afghanistan, but I am still inspired by those so many organizations who have put their their time, their talent, their money from donors and everybody else to go in and and do what needs to be done to help people. So uh, hats off. Praise be to God. Jason Jones was on yesterday to share some of that with us. Uh, very exciting, very exciting to see and inspirational to see that. Uh, speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be here. Yeah. Good to see you, my friend. Praise be to God. You are alive, I guess. And well, I'm alive. And I forgot to take off the image of uh, Henry Sierra next to me. But, you know, it's all good to be here. Nonetheless, <laughs> nonetheless, <laughs> just a random, randomly, r- random image of Henry <laughs> next to you. Well, hopefully we'll rebook that. I mean, absolutely. That, I was looking forward to that conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, God's will be done in all things, I guess. Me too. I'm very excited to talk to him. So I'm already emailing him, trying to reschedule, and we'll figure out. I just figured out how to do international calls, and we'll get it set up. We'll get this taken care of. So praise be to God. Yeah, praise be to God. All right, let's jump in. Let's pray. We have a lot to get to. In the second half of the hour, by the way, uh, we're going to have a great conversation during our after show with uh, Miss Grace Williams. She runs an organization called Children of the Immaculate Heart to help women who have been caught up in uh, sex trafficking. 
Uh, fascinating a conversation, a fascinating apostolate, and I'm excited to share that with you. We're going to have that at uh, 30 past the hour in our after show. So it'll be a live video stream on our social platforms. We'll record it, and then we will share that conversation on a radio hour uh, sometime in the close future. So that's coming up in the program. But let's pray and let's dive in. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known, that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines with Janice Valenzuela. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. I'm Janice, and here are your headline news for today. From Alatia News, Supreme Court allows restrictive Texas abortion law to take effect. Many claim this to be a huge victory for Texas. Praise God. From Catholic News Agency, EWTN Global Catholic Radio now available through Chicagoland. EWTN Global Catholic Radio has announced that 9 million more listeners in the Chicagoland area and beyond will have the ability to tune in into EWTN's radio's life-changing programs. Praise God. From Catholic News Agency, religious doctors and hospitals will not be forced to perform gender transition procedures after a federal court on Monday blocked the so-called transgender mandate of the Biden administration. From Alatia, U.S. bishops praise infrastructure bill and calls for change to abortion and gender language. Catholic bishops announced Tuesday that they were grateful for the infrastructure bill that was passed by the Senate, but voiced criticism of provisions in the legislation that would fund abortion and advance a false understanding of gender and sexuality. Catholic congressman launches bipartisan bill for affordable insulin. According to the press release, the price of insulin in 2001 was around $30 per veil. Today, the price stands at $330, an increase that Fortenberry notes it's 1,000% more of what it was. The price hike has nothing to do with the chemistry as nothing has changed within the product. Instead, Fortenberry blames layers of bureaucracy that have added unnecessary cost. From Alatia, former Baptist pastor explains his conversion to Catholicism. John Thompson is a good-humored, energetic Catholic most anxious to share his faith in Christ with others. He speaks with a deep conviction and unwavering certainty as he declares the Catholic Church to be the one holy Catholic apostolic church founded by Christ and invites others to examine the church's history and teachings. From Blaze News, Democratic Republican Alexandria Cortez of New York defended President Joe Biden on the disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan by accusing critics of profiting from war. A, a new poll found that a majority of Americans said President Joe Biden would resign over the disastrous U.S. military withdrawal from Afghanistan. And those are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a blessed Thursday. The Saint of the Day 
is Blessed Antonio Franco and was born on the 26th of September, 1585 in Naples, Italy. He was born to the nobility and his family were French expatriates living in Italy. He earned a doctrine in civil and canon law at the age of 17. I, wow, doctrine at the age of 17. I'm working on it. And he then studied in Rome, Italy, and he served as a courtier to King Philip III in Madrid, Spain. He was ordained a priest in 1610, and Father Antonio became a royal chaplain to Philip III for 10 years. He became the bishop of the territorial prelature of Santa Lucia del Mela in Italy and was confirmed by Pope Paul V from the 12th of November 1616 until his death nearly 10 years later. He was the counselor and chaplain to the court of the Kingdom of Sicily and for all his time spent in royal and noble courts, Father Antonio was known for his ascetic life. He would sleep on the bare ground or on the floor and he ate very little and very plainly. He was noted for his concern for piety and penance and his ministry to the poor and the sick. And he worked with people who were victims of loan sharks. Hmm. He died on the 2nd of September, 1626 in Santa Lucia del Mela in Messina, Italy. And his incorrupt remains enshrined in the Basilica of Santa Lucia del Mela. He was beatified on the 2nd of September, 2013 by Pope Francis. Blessed Antonio Franco, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. While the crowd was pressing in on Jesus and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. He saw two boats there alongside the lake. The fishermen had disembarked and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, he asked him to put out a short distance from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. After he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and lower your nets for a catch. Simon said in reply, Master, we have worked hard all night and have caught nothing. But at your command, I will lower the nets. When they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets were tearing. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. They came and filled both boats, so that the boats were in danger of sinking. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at the knees of Jesus and said, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For astonishment at the catch of fish they had made seized him and all those with him. And likewise, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners of Simon, Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. When they brought their boats to the shore, they left everything and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The mission of the church, Holy Mother Church has a job, and that is to go out into the deep, to put down the nets, and to convert souls. Conversion of souls. To convert the world. In baptizing them, as Matthew's Gospel will go on to say, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, to make disciples of them, to go into the deep and to convert in great abundance by divine providence and care will this happen. Venerable Bede would say, the net is broken, but the fishes are not lost, because the Lord preserves his servants among the scandals, schisms, and heresies of his enemies. Adrian, what did you find? 
This is super cool. The the passage here, I'm going to read to you a quote real quick from uh, St. Ambrose. He said, Nets are the means whereby the apostles catch men, for nets do not destroy, but preserve what they take and bring to the surface that which is floating below. Now, Cornet Salapide explicating on this passage, he talks about the fact that, yes, the why did our Lord use the analogy of fishermen? Why did he not go and get hunters and have them become the apostles? Why fishermen specifically? It could have been any kind of animal. Could have been someone who hunts birds, someone who hunts large animals. Could have been anything, or it could be a gatherer, someone who collects fruits and vegetables. Why a fisherman? Well, Cornelius Lapide says the one of the important things about a fisherman is that when he casts a net. See, when we think of fishermen, uh, you think of like mom and dad uh, going onto the water and casting a hook and catching fish in that manner. But when you're catching large amounts of fish, you don't start fishing one by one, throwing out a reel and trying to catch one fish at a time. You throw in a net and try to collect as many as possible. So the net is a symbol of the spiritual life because our Lord desires that people be taken in, not with violence and force, but through the power and operation of the Holy Ghost. And so we see that that our Lord, by his word, they are able to catch more fish. And in a net, the person is not harmed. It does not wound them. It does not disable them. As wild animals are hurt, typically, whenever they are captured. Uh, and the second reason why fishermen is another important point, is that because whenever our Lord has has us here, whenever you go hunting, you get one animal at a time. When you're collecting fish, you're collecting as many as possible because they have become life givers because just as fish, they die whenever you take them out of the water. So too, when we are taken up unharmed and we take an out of our sinful life or a past life, we will die to ourselves and come into new life. And so Cornelius Lapide concludes this passage here and I'll read to you a quote about St. Peter. He says that figuratively, the ship of Peter is the church and the head of which is Peter and his successors. The Pope is therefore the chief fisherman to whom the words of Christ apply, quote, thou shalt catch men. It is a duty thereof of the Roman pontiff directly and by means of others to convert the heathen as the early occupants of the Sea of Rome converted the Roman people and sent apostolic men to preach the word of life to heathen lands. All right. Praise be to God. Uh, it's, it's time to play the game. So here's the deal. Uh, we're looking for a caller right now at 877-757-9424. That it's 877-757-9424. If you've never played our Fear and Trembling Trivia Game Show, well, don't fret. It's easy. And uh, I'm looking at the questions. and I think they're pretty easy today. So you're going to have a great opportunity. But you don't need to know the answers to still win. The phone number is 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Call right now. 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10 through 11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin. Because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 1.15 he affirms it. 
saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2.10-11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2.10-11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we have a secret and hidden agenda. But before I tell you about that, uh, the phone lines are open. Now, the question becomes, are the phone lines even working? Well, we think so, but we've had so many problems with them lately that uh, it's hard to know for sure. So uh, I'm going to say this. The phone number is 877-757-9424. If you've never played or if it's been a while since you've played, well, now is the time to call at 877-757-9424. Phone lines are wide open at 877-757-9424. But here's the deal. There are a few things we like to do, uh, you know, on this program, this game show segment uh, that I don't like to share publicly. I don't want too many people finding this out, so keep it secret and keep it just between us. But I like to, number one, teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions, which means you might learn something, and that's good. Then, of course, we like to have fun, and our callers tend to be a great time and laugh with us, and we really enjoy that part. Uh, Praise be to God. And then, of course, we give out prizes, which kind of makes it a winner for everybody involved. But here's the kicker. You don't have to know the answers to these questions to still win the game. You could not know a single one and still win. That makes it even more fun. And the reason why is because I don't ask you. I'll ask Janice. I'll ask Adrian. uh, But I won't ask you. Janice and Adrian will have answers. One of them will be right. One will be wrong. The other... Uh, you know, as I said, is wrong. And so that way the caller has 15 seconds on the clock to decide who do they trust more. And then every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Uh, Janice, what could they win? This week we have a medallion scapular of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. The Sacred Heart badge, it's a round medallion with red roses embroidered throughout um, it's essentially a um, a decorative piece that can be used to decorate your home altar or your child's crib or um, nice. the nursery. Um, a lot of families seem to buy it as a baptismal gift, and it's it's uh, it's quoted one hundred and forty dollars, wow. and it's coming from Argentina. 
That's and it comes with a white jewelry box. So uh, definitely uh, something that a lot of uh, young families, especially if you have small children, I think this would be a great uh, decorative piece yeah. for their uh, room or your home altar. Praise be to God. Well, thank you very much to our sponsor, Benedicta Catholic Art, for generously giving us gift giveaway all the way from Argentina. It's going to be beautiful, so praise be to God. But uh, for those of you that called in, thank you. Uh, it turns out the phone lines worked. We're very grateful to you. If you don't get on today, try tomorrow morning. Call early. Sit on hold. That would be uh, very helpful. But uh, either way, you can find the phone number on our website. Let's go to Jeff. Good morning to you. Thanks for calling in our program. Hello. Good morning to you. Praise be to God, Jeff. Where are you from? Waxahachie, Texas. Waxahachie, Texas. What's Waxahachie known for? What's its uh, what's its claim to fame? Uh, it's one of the most historic towns in Texas. Praise be to God. Where do you go to church? St. Joseph's in Waxahachie. Nice. Very good. Now, Jeff, are you familiar with the rules? I am. And uh, do you have any opinions on who you might think is trickier, Janice or Adrian? I just from my past experience, Adrian is mm. sometimes mm. tricky. So mm. I, I, didn't, I didn't hear that. Wow, I yeah. did not hear that. How uh, how how political? Uh, I think he's making things up. He really smoothed that one out. <laughs> how sometimes uh, Adrian is sometimes on occasion possibly tricky. I am the most charitable one here. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> it's all right, Jeff. You can say it. we can admit it out loud. It's fine. He's tricky. It's true. Are you ready to play, Jeff? I am. Let's do this. All right. Janice, we will start with you, as is our custom. Are you ready? Yes, I am. Are you sure? I am, 100%. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Can you tell me, what is the virtue which in practice preserves the mind from impure thoughts and desires and restrains the will from impure deeds? What do we call that? What is that virtue called? That would be prudence. Prudence. Mm-hmm. Mm, maybe. Could be. I don't know. Let's just see what Adrian has to say here. Adrian, can you tell me what is the virtue which in practice preserves the mind uh, and desires from impure thoughts as well as restrains the will from mm. impure deeds? What mm. do we call that? Right. Exactly. 100%. Uh, yep. That answer. Mm-hmm. Let me. Uh, the answer is uh, continence. Continents. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Let's go with that. I seem to remember reading about that once. You, really? Uh, the JP2, I think. Oh, no. I, I read a book once. It wasn't JP2. It was a Polish bishop in Krakow. Wojtyla? Uh, I don't remember. Uh, let's see here. Jeff, let me summarize for you. Uh, Adrian seems to think this is continents, whereas Janice seems to think it is prudence. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Jeff, what say you? I say Janice. Are you sure? Oh, oh. sorry. <laughs> See what happens when you think Adrian is so tricky. I was, wow. I was the tricky one. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. Janice threw a curveball. I'm sorry, Jeff, but it is, in fact, continence. And uh, I was referring to the book Love and Responsibility, which I had to read probably a dozen times before it made any sense whatsoever to me. And there's a whole section on continents there. Makes sense to you now? Uh, Yeah, why not? Sure. Let's go with that. But don't fret, Jeff. I think I can get you in this cup. Uh, uh, There's a couple of questions here. One, for sure, that is super easy. But let's just go to this next question Mm -hmm. and see what we can do. We're going to start with Adrian. Adrian? That's a scary thought. Can you tell me? (laughs) You're the expert on saints now. Who? Oh, am I? 
Who is the patron saint of cooks? I think there are two options here. And I don't have to give you one, or I have to give you uh, both? One. Just, I, one would be great. One of the two would be fantastic. Okay. Patron saint of cooks. All right. Well, there's a uh, event that has had every year on Easter. Mm-hmm. It's called uh, the St. Lawrence Grill, where we go out <laughs> and we grill barbecue uh, in honor of St. Lawrence. And uh, okay. I'm going to say okay. it's St. Lawrence. The St. Lawrence Grill. That's, yes, sir. That's that's great. All right, so St. Lawrence, patron Yum. saint of cooks, you're saying? Yes, sir, and probably huh. barbecue as well. Huh. Though I'm going to just say cooks. Okay, so let's uh, let's get a second opinion, just in case. Janice, can you tell me, who is the patron saint of cooks? That would be St. Agnes. So Agnes. Ag- Agnes was known for um, her love for food and wow. uh, baking and... Mm. Um, cooking and gardening oh, and gardening womanly. very womanly wow <laughs> very, very feminine okay. yeah lawrence is a man so i don't know if he was much of a cook whoa <laughs> i am wounded there but to be fair i did burn water yesterday so <laughs> you saying men can't cook uh, well no they they can i just say i'm tradi- just yeah. traditionally but. i'm calling gordon ramsay right now. i was gonna say <laughs> my, my father leo padalina <laughs> i suppose uh all right so let, let me let me summarize for you jeff uh there is uh, a lot of shenanigans going on in the studio today but uh janice seems to think it is saint agnes who is a patron saint of cooks whereas adrian feels it is saint lawrence who is the patron saint of cooks? 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? What say you, Jeff? This time I'm going with Adrian. <laughs> hey, that's what I like to hear. Survey says. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Wow, very uh, very confident, Jeff. Were you sure or were you just like, uh, were you hoping against hope? Mm-hmm. I was, pre- you know, I had the feeling that it was St. Lawrence just by the feeling of it. Yeah, yeah he, he was he was Say roasted Agnes. alive. Yeah, uh, so what, that's why that's he's what, the patron saint of cook, not because he was a good cook, <laughs> it's because he was roasted over a spit. Which why I chuckled at the St. Lawrence Grill. That's, that's so good. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Is, it's a real thing. That's rough, actually. I love the grill myself. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, praise be to God. The other option would have been Saint Martha. Saint Martha could have been an acceptable answer as well. But you're in the cup. Praise be to God. You could win. Jeff, let's see if we can't double your chances now. This is the easiest question of all. This next one, super easy. Uh, but let's let's hope that it comes out okay. All right, we're going to go back to Janice. Janice, can you tell me, who were the evangelist writers? The evangelist writers of the New Testament were Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those are like the Gospels then. Yeah, essentially. Okay. Hence the Gospels, Hence Evangelist. The gospel. yeah. Makes sense. Okay, makes sense. Let's, But let's just see what Adrian has to say anyway. Adrian, can you tell me, who were the Evangelist writers? Yes, that's easy. That was the Gospel of Thomas, Thomas? the Gospel of John, John, the Gospel of Mary Magdalene, Thomas, John, Mary Magdalene, and the Gospel of James. And James. Mm-hmm. Huh. Wow. Thomas, Mary, Peter John, and James. No, Peter. That's crazy. I, I've read the Gospel of Peter many times. Great that's, stuff. That's like Eastern Orthodoxy stuff. Is it? Yeah. Okay, so you said Gospel of Thomas, Mary, John, Mary Magdalene, and James. See. Okay, so Jeff, here's the deal. Adrian is on the hook for uh, Thomas, John, Mary Magdalene, and James, whereas Janice says it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, 
and John. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Jeff, what say you? I'm going with Janice. Janice? Janice? Did I hear Janice? Did I hear Adrian? Did I, no. Okay, fine. Fine. Duh. Congratulations, Jeff. You are right, sir. You're in the cup twice. Praise be to God. Well done, Jeff. Thank you for playing our game today. I had a question for Adrian. Uh Uh-oh. That's scary. You got to do it super quick. We're out of time. Uh, So your brother goes to FFA. I did, too. I was trying to look up where the um, stream was where you talked about one time where it was pure and natural. Oh, well, well, we'll you have to, to send me an email. Go yeah. to the grnonline.com forward slash CDT and send me an email, and I promise I'll get back to you. Jeff, God okay, bless so, you. God yeah. love you. We're going to put you on hold so we get your phone number, but thank you for playing our game today. That is going to do it for the radio side. If you can join us in the after show, we're going to have a fun and interesting conversation with Grace Williams, who runs a, an apostolate who helps women from sex trafficking. That's coming up in a few minutes on our video streams, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Praise be to God. Welcome back to the after show of Catholic Drive Time, where we typically, on a normal circumstance, we get a little bit more comfortable and casual about our conversation. And you, our dear audience, get to drive that conversation and talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. And uh, praise be to God for that. Today, we may do something, we're supposed to be doing something a little bit different. Um, We're supposed to have a conversation with Grace Williams uh, from... Uh, an apostolate out of California that I find fascinating, Children of the Immaculate Heart, which is an organization that helps women in sex trafficking. So we're hoping that she'll join us at any moment now, and we'll be able to have that conversation. It should be on, uh, she should be on by Zoom, so we're waiting for her to connect with us. We've had some technical problems, though, lately. It seems like, golly gee whiz, what do we got to do to get our technical situation straight? The phone lines, the phone system has just been absolutely berserk, which means we got to replace that. That's by the way, it's like $7,000 to replace the phone system in a radio studio. So not cheap, not inexpensive. In addition to all the other upgrades we we're hoping to do, that's more of a vital one. But so uh, Grace Williams is supposed to be joining us. Hopefully she'll join us any moment now, and we'll be able to uh, conversate about that. Um, so far, she's not on with us, though. Maybe, uh, Janice, if you want, you can reach out to Grace and see how that's going. Um. She could also join by phone if she wants. That's an option. But otherwise, let's just say good morning. Good morning, Joaquin. Good morning, Nicola. Good morning, Lori. Praise be to God. Good morning to you, Jesus Robles. Good morning, Gloria. Good morning, uh, everybody hanging out with us on uh, Facebook, like Michelle. Praise be to God. Good to see you. Bree's uh, commented this morning. Good morning, Bree. It's good to see you. Uh, Beth, good morning. Mimi, praise be to God. Good morning to you. Let's see. Buddy, canine. Good to see you, my friend. Thanks for hanging out with us today, Semper Fi. Clara, good morning. Marina, good morning. Praise be to Jesus. Over on YouTube, 
Tammy's here. Praise be to Jesus. Sam Morgan. Uh, praise be to God. Coach Sam. <laughs> Sam is like offended at you, Denise. He says, as a chef, I'm a little bit hurt. <laughs> Turn your mic on. Uh, Madeline from uh, Spain. Thank you for uh, giving me the proper pronunciation of cope. I was saying cope because that's what it looks like in English. But uh, that is the radio station that interviewed the Pope. And it, properly, it should be said, Cope. Good morning to you, Eric Rodriguez. Good morning to you, Mary Jo. Praise be to God. Good to see you. Stanley Yabara. Good morning. Jeff Burrier and family. Justina. Good morning. Christopher Velasquez. Good morning to you. Thank you for hanging out. David L. Gray. Good morning from uh, the incredible Granite State, New Hampshire. Beautiful place on planet Earth. Uh, Mike K. is over on Odyssey this morning. Uh, it's good to see you again, Mike K. And then on our website, we have Paul from Buffalo is there. Sue is there as well. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us. Um, boy, I want to know, by show of hands, how many people have read The Dictator Pope? How many people have gone through and read? Or I, What I did was I cheat a lot, just to be, to be honest with you. I, uh, there's a lot of books where I, if I get them, I will probably just poke through it i will just like open a chapter read the introduction read a chapter or two but i don't usually sometimes read all the book and then there are books i go through all of them and then of course i try to get in as many books as i can so a lot of times i will listen to audiobooks and i'll even speed that up to like 1.5 speed or sometimes two it depends on the, the pace of the narrator but with the dictator pope i purchased that book in audiobook form so i could listen to it in, on my car rides i got a 45 minute to an hour ride to work every day and and home. So, um, so I have two hours almost of hour and a half, two hours of, of drive time to, uh, to get into some audio material. So I tend to listen to audiobooks a lot. And, uh, this is one of them. So I've gone through this book several times, listened to it several times. And I re listened to chapter five yesterday to refresh my memory on the story of, the uh, dismantling of the Franciscan Friars of the Immaculate, which is heart-wrenching. We, we were really looking forward to having a conversation with Henry Sear, but uh, the, it just it never seemed to work. Right, Adrian? Mm. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure what the problem is. We're going to have to test it out. Uh, I could give you some ideas of what it could be, but honestly, my th thought is that it was it's probably on his end. He probably didn't have his mic, but it could be a problem on our end. That's why we need to test it on our end. But my initial thought, because I checked everything that normally goes wrong, and all those things were not going wrong. So my initial thought is is probably um, something going wrong with his mic. So we might just have to have him on via international call, which I just learned how to do. So Well, praise be to God. Um, Grace Williams is supposed to be on with us. We're trying to get her on the line uh, to have a conversation about her organization, Children of the Immaculate Heart. You know, it's one of those topics that I... I love to try to shed light on, which is human sex slave trade, because it's such a problem that too few people ever talk about. I mean, think about this. In, the, in an era, well, just think about within the church, just within the Catholic Church, in an era where massive scandals, sex, sexually related scandals, massive financial scandals, massive cover-up scandals, uh, you have all these scandals within the church. Uh, sex slave trade is a huge problem. Massive problem. And what do we do? We focus on things like the people who go to a traditional mass. Mm -hmm. That gets more attention, time, effort, and 
you know, than some of these other major problems. Like hypothetically, like what if, uh, hypothetically speaking, of course, one of the largest dioceses in America decided to restrict <laughs> the Latin Mass to just two places uh, and have uh, hundreds of families scattered across the diocese. Hypothetically speaking, if hypothetically. someone uh, had bur- purchased about, a home. How about entire diocese, entire country, Puerto Rico has banned the TLM completely? Oh, that's true. But to be fair, though, so they, all uh, of the families in they, Puerto Rico have no access. Mo- now. They didn't have any Latin masses there, anyways. Already, they just wanted they had to. none. Yeah, I think they had zero or one. And one who, or the other, and the entire it, country. What, what what country was it? Was it Puerto Rico where the priest said the no? It was Costa Rica. It was Costa Rica. Yeah, because they also banned it as well. Yeah, and that priest actually was saying the TLM. Yes, that's true. And he actually tried to go to his bishop to try to get that dispensation. And was told no, so he began saying the Novus Ordo in Latin, in Latin at Orientum, and got sent to a mental asylum. And got sent to psychological evaluation. Let this let this ruminate. Now I keep coming back to the same thing, but Joe, I don't go to the TLM, and I don't care. I like my mass. Great, whatever. My point is, why should you care? You should care because the disproportionate response to something like those that wish, uh, long for, desire, as the Pope would say in his in interview, for the traditional form of the piety uh, over the major, massive scandals that we face mm-hmm. in these decades. You know, I have I was have I have a friend who is saying that she had just purchased a house near one of the TLM diocesan parishes. And now this comes out yeah, and then the TLM parish is squashed underneath the hill. And there she's like, I literally just bought a house. I bought a house to be closer to the TLM. Like that is a huge, people are like, oh, why don't they just, you know, go somewhere else? It's like, you do realize you're upending people's lives. This isn't just a small thing that people like. This isn't like going to bowling night with my friends uh, that we can just reschedule or do somewhere else. And it's not a big deal. This is the entire this is the faith this is your the spirituality of the people this is fundamental to their lives and people move they move their lives and move it over across the city because this is like mm-hmm. a, across over an hour drive mm-hmm. from where they were and yeah. this is crazy yeah. uh, this is happening this is re- it affects real people this is real things that affect real people yeah for sure mm-hmm. for sure and um and as a result um my mass is not going to get even more busier Thanks. Thanks, Bishop. Everyone's uh, Latin masses were going to get a <laughs> My lot My parking lot's going to be harder to park in. I mean, I got a 15-passenger <laughs> van because I got a whole boatload of kids to, to take the mass. And, uh, and golly gee whiz, now it's going to be harder to park. Mm-hmm. Thanks. At our church, we uh, take over the uh, AutoZone ne- next door. Do you really? Yeah. And AutoZone's all right with that. I think uh, the AutoZone guy is a parishioner. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Praise be to God. So he lets us take over the uh, parking lot during on Sundays. Yeah. Joaquin, what do you mean by you're only getting the commercial feed? I'd like to know. I saw that too. I was really kind of confused. Clarify, good sir. Clarify. Josh says, Regina Chaley desperately needs a third priest. (laughs) We need a a parking garage. (laughs) Uh, Six priests. (laughs) Or uh, or how about this? An actual church. Or how about this? More Latin masses in the diocese. Oh. What? Uh, uh, Sorry, what? (laughs) You're breaking up again. Golly, you is. Tech problems, man. Tech Tech problems. Tech problems. Any word from Grace? Um, she hasn't uh, gotten back to me, so I uh, excuse the, um, yeah. the delay here. I think uh, I sent her the Zoom link, and I just gave her a call, but there was no answer. So it's 5.30 Pacific time zone, so it's very early in California right now. And So, so she I'm, probably thought she saw 7.30, and she thought she, met, she probably thought that was her time. 
Probably. Instead of our time. Yeah. So she'll call in during our meeting. That's what she'll do. You know, that's happened to when me we're before. all meeting with, uh, with the GRN staff. I was in the middle in of Brie Dale's mm-hmm. show, and our guest, uh, who was, oh, it was, that was horrible. We never ended up able to rebook. That was uh, Tom, uh, what's his name? The guy from uh, Underground Railroad. He logged oh, in. To talk our, about human trafficking. I know it. He was uh, hopped onto our onto our uh, show mm-hmm. during Bree Dell show, and yeah. I was like, "Who is this guy? Why is he trying to get into a Bree Dell show?" And I realized later that it was uh, the guy from Underground Railroad. So, whoops, whoopsies. Time you know, zones, man. Okay, so that's uh, one of my pet peeves. Right, is uh, trying to get incredible guests for you guys, and um, and I look for interesting guests, and they're not always Catholic, of course. I, I, I give deference to Catholics when and where possible always. But depending on the subject matter, you know, we, we obviously will we'll look for the best guest. And sometimes I, you go for the, the, the popular, famous people, and it's like, golly gee whiz. It's like teeth. It, it's worse than that. It's, you know, it's, it's tricky at best, let's just say. Josh, so we had- got to give him the time zones, SMH. I give him the time zones, Josh. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Hey, Josh, golly, that's such a great idea. Why wouldn't? Why didn't we think of that, guys? I know it. Like, I know where, it. Where have we? Where has Josh been our whole life? I'm gonna go fight Josh. Finally, we know now. We're supposed to tell people time zones. Thanks, Josh. You're the best. It's okay. I'm gonna go fight Josh when I get home. <laughs> <laughs> I think Josh could take you personally. Nah, I he's, doubt it. He's bigger than you. He's got a better beard than you. He does have a better beard than me. I'll yeah. give him that. Oh. This is true. I got twenty bucks on Josh. I'm just saying. Uh, nah, I doubt it. Come on, Josh. Don't Josh let me says. Down. Josh said, "You're welcome. I'm a genius. You are a genius, sir." There's yeah. There's that. Uh, Bree Dale posted a link to a communique. Uh, over on her Twitter feed from the read it. from the joint from the superiors of the religious communities, which promote the traditional Latin Mass, and they've released a communique today. Uh, it says this: um, the signatory institutes went above all. Want forgive me, I'm reading it cold. Uh, the signatory institutes want above all to reiterate their love for the Church and their fidelity to the Holy Father. This filial love is tinged today. With great suffering, we feel suspected, marginalized, and banished. However, we do not recognize ourselves in the description given by the cover letter of the Moto Proprio Traditionis Custodis. Hmm. Uh, it goes on to say, we do not see ourselves as the, quote, true church, unquote, in any way. On the contrary, we see the Catholic Church, our mother, in whom we find salvation and faith. We are loyal subject. We are loyally subject to the jurisdiction of the Supreme Pontiff and that of the diocesan bishops, as demonstrated by the by the good relations in the diocese and the functions of presbyteral count, uh, counselor, archivist, chancellor, and official, which have been entrusted to our members, and the result of canonical or apostolic visits of recent years. We reaffirm our adherence to the magisterium, including that of the Vatican II, and what follows according to the Catholic doctrine of the ascent due to it. See, for instance, in particular, Lumen Gentium, number 25, and Catechism of the Catholic Church. It goes on to say, Have any mistakes been made? We are ready, as every Christian is, to ask forgiveness if some excess of language or mistrust vis-a-vis authority have been able to creep into one or another of our members. We are ready to convert if party spirit 
or pride has polluted our hearts. Faithfully, fulfill your vows in the Most High, Psalm 49.14. So there's the statement Breedale posted to her Twitter feed. I recommend reading the whole thing. It was, uh, it's very good. But hold on. I'm, hold on. It goes on. Now, yeah. I, I just noticed there's a button over here. That yeah, says, there's three pages. Oh, wow. Should I read it at all or should I? Uh, the last page is just signatures, so you can ignore the last page. Okay. Unless so. people are just interested then in it. Then it goes on to it. say, uh, it goes on to say, uh, we beg that a human personal dialogue full of confidence be opened far from ideologies or the coldness of administrative decrees. We would like to be able to meet a person who will be for us the face of the motherhood of the church. We would like to be able to tell, tell him about the suffering, the tragedies, the sadness of so many lay faithful around the world, but also of priests, men, and women religious who gave their lives on the word of Pope John Paul II and Benedict XVI. They were promised that, quote, all measures would be taken to guarantee the identity of their institutes in, full, in the full communion of the Catholic Church, unquote. The first institutes accepted with gratitude, the canonical recognition offered by the Holy See in full attachment to the traditional pedagogies of the faith, particularly in the liturgical field, on the basis of Memorandum of Understanding of May 5th, 1988, between Cardinal Ratzinger and Archbishop Lefebvre. This solemn commitment was expressed in the Moto Proprio Ecclesia Day, July 2nd, 88. Then, in a diversified way, for each institute, in their decrees for erection and in the constitutes, uh, constitutions, def- uh, definitively, this text is super small, and I got reading glasses on, so I'm struggling a little bit here, <clears throat> that their constitutions definitively approved. The men and women religious and priests involved in our institutes have made vows or made commitments according to this specification, which is part of the reason why we want to talk to Henry Sear today about the Franciscan Friars of the Immaculate and how they were decimated, really, and many simply walked away. They opened the door, they walked out, they didn't come back from their vows. It was incredibly tragic. This uh, statement goes on to say, It is in this way that, trusting in the word of the Supreme Pontiff, they gave their lives to Christ to serve the church. These priests, men and women religious, serve the church with dedication and abnegation. Can we today deprive them of what they are committed to? Yes. (laughs) Easy. Easy, Your Eminence. Easy. Uh, Can we deprive them of what the church had promised them through the mouth of the popes? Yes. Uh, Pope Francis invites pastors to listen with affection and serenity, with the sincere desire to enter into the heart of people's drama and to understand their point of view, to help them live better and to recognize their place in the world. The Church, Amoris Laetitia, number 312. We are eager to entrust the tragedies we are living to a father's heart. We need listening and benevolence and not condemnation without prior dialogue. Hmm. Harsh judgment creates a feeling of injustice and produces resentment. Patience softens hearts. We need time. Goes on to say, together, we hear of disciplinary apostolic visits to our institutes. We ask for fraternal meetings where we can explain who we are and the reasons for our attachment to certain liturgical forms. Above all, we want a truly human and merciful dialogue. Quote, be patient with me, unquote. 
On August the 13th, <clears throat> on August the 13th, the Holy Father affirmed that in liturgical matters, unity is not uniformity, but the multifaceted harmony created by the Holy Spirit. We are eager to make our modest contribution to the harmonious and diverse unity, aware that as sacrosanctum, sacrosanctum, oh my heaven, sacrosanctum, thank concilium. you, I'll get there, sacrosanctum concilium teaches, the liturgy is the summit to which the action of the church tends, and at the same time, the source from which everything flows, his virtue. With confidence, we trust, first of all, to the bishops of France, so that a real dialogue can be opened, and that a, mo- a mediator be appointed who is for us the human face of this dialogue. LOL. <clears throat> Quote, we must avoid judgments that do not take into account the complexity of the various situations. It is a question of integrating everyone. We must help each one to find his own way of being part of the ecclesial community so that he feels the object of an undeserved, unconditional, and gratuitous mercy. Amoris Laetitia, number 296-297. Let's see if it goes on here. And the rest, yeah. that's the, guess the end of it, because that's the rest of it. It's just, just state uh, signatures. You know what really stood out to me? <clears throat> What's that? Is that he said uh, at the last paragraph when he says that they'd be open and that a mediator be appointed who is for us the human face of this dialogue. That is huge right there. Yeah. Uh, why is that huge? Because he's making a, they're making a huge concession saying, basically, look, guys. We're just, we're a bunch of canons, we're a bunch of priests, we're a bunch of religious. We have no authority. We're not bishops. We don't have any bishops on our side. There's no bishop in Rome that's advocating for us. So they're begging for a mediator, specifically, probably specific. They don't mention this specifically, but it's implied to me anyways that they're referring to, give us a bishop that's going to, that's going to fight for us. Because right now... Nobody has, they have no right to be heard to the clergy the, up, up in Rome. They could just ignore them. It doesn't matter. They just like cover their ears, pretend they don't exist. But if they have a bishop that can fight for them, then they have actual yeah. uh, power on their side. But right now, yikes. Yeah, disproportionate response is my take on the whole affair. We have, of all the priorities coming out of, of the Vatican right now, why is this one worthy of this level of effort that requires all bishops around the entire planet to take an action. Um, was that the case when it, with McCarrick? Did all bishops around the planet, re, are, were they required to then um, do a house cleaning, an inventory, an audit, an assessment on the level of cover-up, financial corruption, or the like? Doesn't look like it. So, again, disproportionate. I mean, is the, is the traditional problem such a problem that it would necessitate a worldwide effort on behalf of the church? I, I go back to Cardinal, or not Cardinal, there's the Bishop Tobin out of New Jersey, not the Cardinal, but the Bishop. He said, he's, Holy Father's using a chainsaw when he could be using a scalpel. Yay and amen. Yay and amen. But here we are, nonetheless, this is the deal. So, this document that we just read to you was... Uh, the superiors of religious communities who promote the church form of the mass to include FSSP, uh, Institute of Christ the King, and there's a bunch of others that I'm actually, to be honest, unaware of. I don't really know who these people are. Yeah, I keep trying to help tell people and share with people that there is a lot of Ecclesia Day communities 
uh, but people only know about the fraternity and the Institute of Christ the King. Yeah. But there are a ton. These are not even all of them. Yeah. Uh, they're all over the world. There's tons and that are in the United States that are only in like a small little priory that they have. They're little canons, like the canons of St. John the Baptist, which yeah. aren't even on this list. Um, it's amazing how many Latin mass communities are popping up all over the world. It's very beautiful. Yeah. Which one thing that I didn't, that I noticed was on this list and which I didn't know about was Father Luis Marie de Bellingeres. I'm assuming that's a French name. He's superior general <laughs> of the fraternity <laughs> of St. Vincent Ferrer, which what? is very interesting because I looked them up and apparently they're a group of French Dominican traditional priests. And religious, you're making that, that are doing. They preserve the Dominican rite, and I was like, and I was really confused because I had heard about them before, but I heard that they were schismatic, and so I looked into it. And apparently, I didn't know this. They split from Rome after Vatican II, and they retained the Dominican liturgy and the Dominican rite and all their Dominican practices, the spirituality, theology, everything. Mm. And uh, but after a while. They reconciled with Rome, and so they became regularized. Praise God! And uh, they are a legitimate community with with Rome. That is a, a traditional Dominican community. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's interesting. That's pretty awesome. Praise God! But yeah, but again, like I guarantee, uh, there's no movement out of the Vatican to um, force the Greeks to get on the Novus Ordo bandwagon. They they, they obviously. I, 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 we would probably not find a single uh, diocesan bishop anywhere on planet Earth that would say, yeah, we got to make the Greeks get on board with the team. We got to make them, you know, come along and have these same liturgical reforms within their traditions so that we can all be one and unified. We wouldn't see that, right? You wouldn't see that with any of the other traditions that are legitimate, have valid sacraments, etc. You don't even see it with the Anglican Ordinariate, and yet... The traditional form of, of, the, of the Latin Mass, the Latin liturgy, which goes back 1,500 years or more in one form or another, is now told, it's time for you to, to end, and we have to get everybody on this new uh, liturgy. And I, the other thing that really boggles my mind, and you and I have talked about this many times, Adrian, mm-hmm. how, okay, 1970, you wake up, right? What day? I don't know what day was it. I don't remember what, like, whenever it was promulgated uh, that... Good morning, Catholics. Welcome to a brand new day. And oh, and by the way, the Mass you've always uh, known your entire life has come to an end. And today we're going to be celebrating the Novus Ordo. Like, mm-hmm. how do you, when you make that proclamation, and again... And they got a rug. <laughs> yeah, that's another. <laughs> so I, I, how do you make that proclamation? And then the vast majority of, the, of Catholics in the world seem to go along with it. How, I, that seems rather peculiar to me. Like, most Catholics were like, okay, yeah, sure, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, I don't know. I find that very, very strange. Now, again, you might be listening, you're like, Joe, I've never been to a TLM. I, I love my Nova Sorta Mass. Okay, great. Praise God. Uh, this, is not, this is not a conversation about this or that. This is about, hold on, stop and think for a second. Common sense, the smell test. How do you get the whole world to wake up and go, yeah, let's embrace this new thing and throw the old thing away? Without an argument, without a fuss? I mean, some did, yes, of course. But the vast majority of Catholics seemingly accepted it, hook, line, and sinker. And you're like, hmm, that's, that's kind of strange. That's kind of bizarre to me in some ways. Um, and now the, this particular tradition, this line of tradition within the church, similar to those other traditional lines 
like I like I mentioned, Greeks, Ruthenians, Russians, Coptics, uh, Syro-Malabarians. I mean, you name them. Anglicans, which only goes back 500 years. Um, it's the Latin one that has to end. I find that bizarre. I find that strange. I find that disproportionate to all the other more serious issues of our day. But maybe I'm alone in that. Um, Pavarello, are you a new commenter, Pavarello? I think we might have had some new commenters today, by the way. Yay and amen. If you are a new commenter today, praise be to God. Thank you for uh, commenting for the first time. We're very grateful to you. Praise be to Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. Good morning. And thank you for... Sita said, I am one of those who have never been to a TLM, but now I really want to. Praise be to God. Amen. Get to one while you still can. <laughs> yeah, before it's, there's a closing, it's a fire sale. It's a closing out sale. You better Act hurry. Now. Act now. <laughs> you know, I like to say that the TLM, I didn't choose the TLM. The TLM yeah. chose me. That's a good way um, to put it. And the, the reason I say that was because I was, uh, I was introduced to the, the Latin Mass when I was a 19-year-old in college. Uh, it was 2013, 2014. And um, I didn't have a car. So because I didn't have a car, my roommate who did have a car uh, would take me to Sunday mass with her. And uh, coincidentally, my, my roommate at the time, she was going to the Latin mass. So I was kind of forced to go to the Latin mass with her because she was my only uh transportation to mass oh wow um and so that That's was one way to do it <laughs> so, so, so you're saying we should like uh we should scuttle the cars of our neighbors right like flatten their tires pull the uh say hey if battery. you want to go to mass you have to come with me I'm the only ride. <laughs> yeah so i really do th- and that's why i think like i i really think that the latin mass was a gift kind of given to me by god because um, it wasn't something that came into my life, uh, me willingly seeking after or like choosing. So I wasn't like following a spiritual fad or, you know, kind of the, 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 the latest, the greatest, you know, what everyone else is talking about. But it was more of a, a invitation from God because I was carless at the time. But wow. Yeah. So that's so that's cool. so the Latin cool mass story. came to me. Not yeah. I didn't. Amen. Yeah. Praise God. I, I love to say that. First <laughs> time I ever went to a Catholic mass uh, when I was not Catholic at the time. I was a Protestant. Uh, was when I was in boot camp, and um, every Sunday we had opportunity to go to church, and it meant you get to get out away from the barracks and and the and the hectic the nature of being in the barracks. So I would go to the Protestant service, but I would stay for the mass after. So I went to both, and. Um, I can remember to this day the Mass. I cannot recall what the Protestant service was like. But I remember that priest dragging out our statue of Our Lady off the side to the, into the stage and setting up his altar and setting up, setting up Mass. And I remember the, uh, the hymns and uh, the sung Mass parts. And um, I just felt that was, I was like, that stuck with me. That was something different. It really spoke, spoke to me about uh, standing out in a crowd having grown up Protestant. So, praise God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember growing up Protestant. Oh, yeah. wait. Yeah. <clears throat> Awkward. Heathen, I think, is what you were looking for. Uh, our, our, our stream seems to be having some issues right yeah, now. Yeah, it crashed for a second. It's back up. Odyssey is now gone. Oh, maybe Bye, Odyssey. Odyssey. Thanks for <coughs> hanging out today, Mike, from, uh, from New York. We appreciate you, buddy. But um, And I think our, our stream on our website also is just gone. It's just, <laughs> please pray. Uh, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna have no choice but to have to raise a ton of money to, to kind of 
upgrade some equipment and make sure things are going to be consistent. The phone lines are going to have to start first, though. $7,000. Pray for God's provision for our need. We would be very grateful to you. Uh, But that is going to do it for today's program of Catholic Drive Time. Share us with friends. In spite of it all, we'd be very grateful to you. Tomorrow on the program, Father Brendan Kilcone from Ireland is going to be on to talk about the Synodal Way. That would be very interesting. At the very least, the man is incredibly entertaining. So I'm looking forward to that conversation. We'll see you then. God bless you. God love you. Have a great day. 